I'm going to read Psalm 139 and I'm going to ask the entire congregation to please help me out today because I'd really like you guys to join with me and read the underlined words and then I will read the rest of the verses and as they come up each time, if you could join me again, that would be great. Thank you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such a wonderful, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You have reached me, Lord, and you know me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. Search me, Lord, and you know me. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Behind one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me. You who are bloodthirsty, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And... I abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense with the way in me and lead me in my everlasting. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kathy. Um, yeah, we're just going to keep um, meditating on this psalm um, for the next uh, few weeks. If you were here last week, you would have heard we started this new series um, called Confidence in Complex Times, um, which is going through, um, yeah, Psalm 139, which is, yeah, quite a well-known psalm, maybe a favorite for some. Um, if, if it's not something you're familiar with, really encourage you to, to read through it and maybe even spend some time meditating on this 
psalm, and even if it is something that you've read many times before, maybe to revisit it kind of in our um, current moment, I suppose, in, um, yeah, in the world and in, and in life. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go into a message for a bit. If, if I haven't met you before as well, my name's Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and um, yeah, I started talking last week a bit about um, this idea that the world as we face it now and, and sort of see things happening in the world, it's not, it's not just complicated, it's, you could even say it's complex, and it's um, more of a networked world than ever. The, the world is so connected globally, um, which, is, which is why we have a global pandemic, but it's, it's why there's so many shifts and changes, and, and a network is such a complex thing, and this is such a complex network that it's difficult to predict what the future is going to be, and it, it's difficult to predict what things will be like in a couple of years, and it, it's difficult to predict even what we're going to be able to do next week. <laughs> like, it's a really strange way that we're having to adjust to living. But we don't want to be people who live in fear um, or reactive, but actually, even in a complex time, can be confident. And, um, yeah, so we are sort of talking about that last week through the first bit of Psalm 139. I'm going to keep going through the next bit. Um, but I was thinking, it's interesting with this idea of being a network-connected world, um, things that are happening on the other side of the planet, um, we can find out about straight away. And in some ways, it's almost difficult not to find out. <laughs> like, it's difficult not to be connected. Um, if, if we want to disconnect completely from events around the world and then things happening in the global network, that's quite difficult. Um, getting a bit of feedback. I don't know if that's me or... I can change the other mic if... Or is it this? No. You just let me know what you think, Will. Um, so, yeah, it, it's actually difficult to disconnect. Um, it's hard to imagine, like, what it used to be like, I suppose, which was that if you want to find out the news, you just... Um, actually, I'm, I might just change the handheld. It might be a bit... If you... Yeah, like... I guess it wasn't that long ago where if you want to find the news, you have to wait for the news bulletin. Or I guess before that, you have to wait for the newspaper. And that's kind of a weird thing to think about, right? Like if you want to know the news, you just look at it anytime, 24-7 at the moment. And it's almost hard to be disconnected from it. it the world's so globally connected. We're so connected through technology. Um, and that, in some ways, I think is why things can be so overwhelming because so many different things can be happening and we can be aware of them so quickly and see images from things so fast. And even sometimes you're going on your computer just to do a basic task and get sideswiped by all this news and, and things like that. And that's sort of what I think can lead to the state of the world. I don't want, um, I don't want to come to church and have the pastor just talk about how bad the world is. Like, that's not the point of this. Like, the point is to acknowledge it and then th say, well, in this context that we find ourselves in, how do we seek God and have confidence in God? Because it's interesting that it's difficult to disconnect at the moment. It's, it's, you can just turn your phone off and go and live on an island, I suppose, if you've got a lot of money. But um, in general, it's quite difficult to disconnect. But David, in this psalm, says that there's something even more difficult to disconnect from. And he says it's even impossible to actually disconnect and remove from God's presence. He says it's not just difficult, it's actually impossible. David starts to ask these hypothetical, rhetorical questions in this psalm. Remember, he's, he's addressing this as a personal prayer 
to God. We, we started to look at last week of just how much God knows him. But then he goes on this strange track of talking about how he can't get away from God. It's, it's quite interesting. He says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So David's asking rhetorical questions about how he can get away from God. Where, where can I go to get away from God? And then he starts to take these extreme hypothetical situations. If I went to the highest height, right? Like the biblical cosmology is that heaven's up high, right? We understand the world's not flat, so forth. But biblical cosmology is like down us, heavens, up. So he's saying like if I go up to the heavens, well, you're not going to get away from God there. Like that's getting closer to God effectively. If I make my bed in the depths, he says, if I go to the lowest of low, the word sheol is the grave, or you could even say hell. Well, God is there too. Um, David's obviously not doing that, but he's saying, if, if I could do that, well, you'd be there. If I could go down, you, you'd be there too. There's actually nowhere he can go. But this seems like a strange thing, right? Like David's been talking about how like good God is and how it's a comfort that God knows him. So why is he talking about getting away from God? And for most of us as well, the, the problem that we have probably is not that we want to get away from God, but we actually want to get close to God, right? If we're in church and we're seeking Him, we, we want to experience more of God and, and feel close to Him. If we're in this complex world, we want to know God's presence and know God's comfort. We don't, we don't want to get away from God. We want to get closer to God, but getting closer to God can actually be difficult. Um, again, if with the world so connected and so many things happening, sometimes it can just feel like, well, where's God? Or when we're distracted or busy, where's God? It can be difficult to connect with his presence. But it's interesting. I think there's something interesting about the fact that David talks about how he can't get away from God. There's this thing, um, there was this study that was done with some people who couldn't sleep, insomniacs. Um, They just stay up all night. Like Sleep is like a, a stressful thing try to go to bed and just awake and just can't sleep, get up, do stuff. So there was this treatment or, or, or study for different ways to treat insomniacs. And there was two groups of insomniacs. And one group was told, well, okay, do your best to get to sleep. And another group was told, lie in bed and do your best to stay awake. And they were told, you, you need to not go to sleep. Just stay in bed and stay awake. And the result was that those who were told to stay awake fell asleep a lot easier. Which is a strange thing, right? The way, the way they found, one way to actually f- fall asleep easier is to try and stay awake. Because I suppose sometimes if, you, if there's all this pressure on, you need to fall asleep and it's stressful and it's hard, it can just make it really difficult. Whereas if you, and I've, try, I've tried it before, you just lie in bed and just try and keep your eyes open and just try and stay awake and actually sort of just slowly start to drift off. They found this study and what they called it was paradoxical intention. You're actually intending to do the opposite of what you want, and actually the result is what you intend. It's this paradoxical intention. I wonder if something similar could be going on here and and could be a way for us to notice God's presence in a different way. Because perhaps it's a difficult thing to recognize God's presence, or maybe there's a frustration. Why isn't God closer? What if instead we thought about ways to get away from God? Sounds like a weird thing to say, but this is, this is hypothetical, okay? This is just a thought experiment. 
where could you go to get away from God? Well, actually, if you went to the highest place you could ever imagine to try and get away from God, you wouldn't be able to get away from Him. And if you went to the lowest place you could ever imagine, you wouldn't be able to get away from Him there. If we think about where we could go to get away, we actually start to realize it's, it's absolutely impossible to get away from God. There's absolutely nowhere we can go that He isn't. And I think recognizing that is actually a way to just tune in to just how present he is now. Because the truth is, is, you cannot go anywhere where he isn't there already. He's everywhere. There's nowhere you can go that he's not. And obviously, our goal is not to get away from him. Our goal is to get close to him. But if you imagine trying to get away from him and realizing that it's impossible, it's not something that you can do, there's nowhere you can go Hopefully, that can lead to a sense of, whoa, he is so close then. He is here. He's when I go home. He's not just at church. He was with me when I was sleeping. He's been with me all week. If I went to the furthest place I could imagine, he would be there. It's a way to tune in to his presence. Because we don't want him to be absent, right? We want him to be present. But sometimes we can, we can sort of get stuck there. So David is, is just taking this hypothetical, where could I go? Well, actually, nowhere. He's present everywhere. He then continues and talks about running from God's presence. He says it this way. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. These are more hypotheticals. Um, it's could one, the first example could almost be this idea of the wings of the dawn or like the first light. It could almost be referencing like the speed of light. If David was to travel faster than the speed of light, he couldn't outrun God. As, as fast, the fastest thing that ever exists could not outpace him. It won't do a thing. And then he talks about the far side of the sea, like the furthest place you could possibly imagine on the other side of the world. Well, actually, even there... God will be guiding and God will be holding. It's a bit different for us, right? Because the, the far side of the sea isn't that far, right? We have global travel. It doesn't, it's not that big a deal to go around the world. We know God is present all around the world. But it's interesting that the first ever civilian, all civilian space flight was this week. I don't know if you saw SpaceX, people, all civilians going into space. I suppose for us, perhaps we could, we could imagine it this way. If we were to go to the furthest regions of space, beyond the, the, any human current technology of travel to other planets, so the furthest re reaches, God would be there. <laughs> like, that's a crazy thought, right? Like, God is with these people who are just, like, orbiting or, or going to the moon. Of course, the furthest reaches of space, even there your hand would guide me and you, your hand would hold me. You actually cannot travel fast or far enough that he can't pursue. Which shows David's talking not just about the idea of God being present, but passive. God is present and active. He's talking about how God is leading him and guiding him and, and holding him. And we see this through the Bible, right? That God pursues. He pursues his people relentlessly. Even in the story of Jonah, he pursues the Ninevites, people who are against him. He wants Jonah to go and and, and call them back to God, and Jonah runs away, so God pursues Jonah, and God, Jonah meets God in the belly of a fish in this deep place. God pursues. He's active. And again, maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like that. 
that God is actively involved in our lives, that he's pursuing us. So a thought experiment we could do, instead of being frustrated by that, is to imagine, well, actually, if I traveled the furthest place I could go away, if I tried to get as far away from God as I possibly could, well, actually, he would be guiding me and holding me there. So if that's true, well, he's doing it now. He's present and he's guiding me now. Again, maybe it's not place so much for us, but time. If we sort of look into the future, what could the world be like in 10, 20 years? Maybe other crazy things will happen. Who knows where we will be or what things will be like. But he will be holding us there and he will be guiding us there. And if he's doing that then, we can trust he's doing it now. Um, We know the lengths God goes to pursue um, in that Jesus would come, that he would go to a cross to rescue enemies. Um, Paul says it. This way, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? If he pursued us while we were enemies, we were running from him, how much more will he hold us and guide us and care for us now we're his children? So we can have great confidence in that. I was thinking even in our own lives, you might have experienced before when Take some time to kind of think back on past years or or past difficulties or problems. And sometimes when we do that, you can actually say, hey, actually, I can see how God led me through that time. Like, that was a really difficult time and it was really hard. But actually, God was at work and he was leading me. And like, like I shared that testimony a couple of weeks ago, like, God was leading me through that whole time. I look back, I can, I can see that so clearly now. If that's true, right, we can look back and see it. Well, it's happening now, right? Like we will look back on this time and say, oh, God was leading and holding me now. And if we can have confidence in this time, we can have confidence in the future. Well, okay, no matter what happens, in the future, he'll be leading and holding me then. So we can trust that we can't run fast enough or far enough that he won't pursue us. David sort of goes on to one last option, I suppose. Like, can't go high, can't go low, can't go fast, can't go far. The next option seems to be trying to hide. (laughs) And this is what he says. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So it's like, again, it's a hypothetical, right? If I was to hide in the dark of night, if I was to find a place to hide from God, maybe God's present, but maybe we can hide so he can't see us. It's this hypothetical thing. And it's obviously, that's not going to work, right? <laughs> like, like, hide under the covers, hide in a, I don't know, somewhere in the dark. It, God doesn't, he can see everything. He can see it all the same. Is And this is interesting as well because, Perhaps sometimes it doesn't feel like God is watching us. You know that feeling when someone's watching you? Like, you can kind of sometimes sense it. Or you sort of are aware. Like, if, if someone's watching you, you know, right? Like, and, and if you're really alone and no one's watching you, you kind of know. But God's always watching you. <laughs> He's always watching us. I've actually just been thinking about that recently. It's an interesting thing to just think about. Hey, God's watching me right now. Like, out for a run. God, God's watching me right now. He's, he's looking at me right now, like everything, all the time. He, he sees. And again, kind of using this paradoxical 
intent, kind of feels like he doesn't see, well, actually kind of try to imagine hiding. Where could you hide that he couldn't see? Well, nowhere, right? There's, there's nowhere we can hide. You cannot hide anywhere that he won't be able to see. This could, could cause us concern, right? Like we talked about last time, he knows everything. There's no privacy, right? That can be concerning, but his knowledge is, is loving and caring. In a similar way, he sees everything. This doesn't need to be a concern. It's a, a comfort because he sees and he knows and he loves. But at the same time, it's actually, this is actually a good thing if it makes us a bit concerned because he sees everything that we do. And actually, if that causes us to fear a bit, maybe that's good because in some ways, there's certain things we would not do or say in the presence of other people. And we're always in his presence. So there's certain things that we would not, should not do or say ever, right? Like, like it can actually lead us. That he, he's present when we fail and sin, when we fall. And there's grace and there's mercy. Yes, totally. But if he's present, if that causes us to fear, actually, whoa, this is not a, something I should do because God is watching me, then, then it's a, actually a good thing, a way to check ourselves. But instead of it being a concern that he sees us, like um, we were talking about, about children before and, and parents, it's actually a pa- kids' joy for kids to, parents to watch them. There's a comfort knowing that parents are looking and they're, they're watching and they're interested. If God is always seeing us and he's always looking at us, there's a deep comfort in that, that we're actually seen and known. Um, there's this great verse in Genesis, the story of Hagar and in, in God meeting her in, in her distress and, and the, the, this revelation that God sees her. And he says, she says this, she gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I've now seen the one who sees me. And it's one of God's names in the Bible, El Roy, is you are the God who sees me. It's an amazing revelation of, of God. He sees me. He sees you. And when he looks at us, his eyes are full of light and love and comfort and peace. He's for us. So we can take comfort in the fact that he sees us and actually that there's nowhere we can go and nowhere we can hide that he doesn't see. So in a world that is increasingly complex and connected, where we can't get away from it easily, we can't turn things off, we can't just bury our head in the sand, maybe it feels like God is not present at times or that he's absent or maybe it's hard to connect with his presence. The truth is, even though it's hard to disconnect from the world, it's actually impossible to get away from God. You cannot go anywhere that he isn't already there. You cannot travel fast or far enough that he can't pursue. And you cannot hide anywhere that he won't be able to see. And a way perhaps that we can connect with him in closeness is to realize that even if we wanted to get away from him, we can't. (laughs) Even if that was a desire, it's impossible. So actually, we can take comfort from the fact that he is present always. And in a world that's changing, like we've said, where there's complexity, where there's difficulty, that this is the constant um, comfort and promise and thing that doesn't change is that he is present. He's present in then, he's present now, he'll be present in the future. And in the Bible, again and again, God doesn't make things easier necessarily. Sometimes he does, but often he doesn't make things easier. He doesn't 
take away the difficult. Again, he does, but there's times and, and stories when God's calling people to difficult things. He talks to Moses, Gideon, and others, and, and he doesn't say, oh, we'll just make it so there's no problems. His promise and his encouragement and his comfort, what he says again and again is, I will be with you. He says it again and again. He said it to Moses, I will be with you. He said it to Joshua, I will be with you. He said it to Gideon when he was afraid. Jesus said it to his followers. And the author of Hebrews, the Hebrew church, puts it this way. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So our comfort is not that we can somehow control a complex networked world and figure out some, some ways to make things easier and manageable. Our comfort is that God is with us. And even if we wanted to get away from him, we can't. So we can take great confidence that he is with us. His presence is consistent. Everything could change, but he won't. He'll be there no matter what. He's here now, and he'll be here in the future, and we can take great comfort and peace from that. So um, we're going to keep going through this psalm over the next couple of weeks. And, yeah, I just encourage you to engage with it. And just as, as maybe even times of feeling overwhelmed throughout the week, to just come back and recognize his presence, recognize his eyes on us, his, his love for us, his peace with us. So, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to sing as we respond, um, but just let me pray. Um, so as I pray, I'm just going to read a little bit of um, a prayer from St. Patrick. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise. Just thank you, Jesus, that you are present with us. Thank you, Father, for your commitment to your people and your promises that even took you to death, um, that you've bought us by your blood and you've granted us your spirit. We have your promises. We have the comfort of your um, infinite presence everywhere and your Holy Spirit presence in us. And we just thank you for that, God, and yeah, give us grace to recognize your presence, the constancy of it, and make us a people, Lord, who take comfort in you in the midst of difficulty and complexity. Just ask for grace to know your voice, to know your love, to know your closeness and nearness. We thank you, Lord, that there's nowhere we can go that you are not. We thank you that we cannot run where you won't pursue. We thank you that we cannot hide where you can't see. We thank you that you're for us even when we're against you. You're kind to us even when we reject you. You offer your son for us even when we are your enemies. You're a God of amazing love and compassion and grace. You have all power and we give you all honor. And we place all our confidence in you. And we just say we don't even know how to do that, but we ask for grace to be able to do that and to live by faith in this time, Lord. We honor you, Jesus, and your goodness in your name. Amen.